Hey everybody, welcome to Politics, Culture and Some Other Shit. I'm very excited that I'm able to interview my dear friend Stevie Scullion, a.k.a. Malogian. It's more of a chat, really. I'll get to all that in the podcast. You'll hear it in a second. I just wanted to let you know that I'll be doing a live stream on live on Wednesday night on YouTube at 7 o'clock where we're going to be discussing the latest moves by the most evil woman in the world, Pretty Patel, shipping immigrants off to Rwanda in what is a very dystopian twist on the latest story, uh, anti-immigrant policy. It's absolutely disgusting. Going to be going out live on YouTube and then after that it will be a Patreon exclusive podcast if you want to hear it in your podcast app please sign up to a Patreon where you will have access to all that stuff all the extras all the bonuses all the Patreon exclusives etc etc go over there you'll see what I mean so go over to politics culture and some other shit at Patreon I'll put the link in the thing and don't forget live streaming this Wednesday 7 o'clock on YouTube meanwhile Malugian for joining me on Politics, Culture and some other shit. I'm delighted that my friend uh, Stevie Scullion, a.k.a. Malogian, has decided to uh, grace me with his company. Carry on. As those of you that don't know, I'm sure you all do know who Stevie is. Uh, and Malogian is, Malogian is his project name for his, his music. And if you don't know who, or you haven't heard, I couldn't urge you anymore to go and check it out. On your bank camp's the best way to get to use it. That's the only place now. I think. That's the only place now. Aye. Stevie, well, we'll talk about it actually about you pulling your music off of uh, Spotify and everything. So, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's very formal, isn't it? <laughs> <It's that. laughs> it's <weird> as fuck. <laughs> How's it going? Good, boy. Good. Yeah. Just you cycle all the way down here from Aldrin. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> Straight down to the train station. I love getting the train. So. <laughs> yeah. Big day out. Yeah. I haven't been up in Oregon in a while now, so. Aye. We'll go and see the folks now after this. Yeah. How are they? Ach, my dad's not well, but. Oh, is he? I didn't know. He, he, something happened to me all day and he ended up in hospital for a couple of days, so. Oh, fuck's sake. Aye. Is he out now? He's in the house. Oh, jeez, well. Fingers crossed, mate. You want to hear this? See this state he was talking about? They had no bed, and then when they got him a bed, they put the bed in the, in the middle of any and he'd lie on it for two days oh. and with no pillow on it. No, no blankets, no pillows on it. I was talking to a wee woman just yesterday. Mental. Very similar. She was an old lady, 84 years of age. Well, it was her daughter I was actually talking um, Just one I was delivering to. Unfucking believable. Days sitting in a fucking corridor. 
Dizzy Hill. It's come by Tory Bastards. Oh, Tory Bastards. It's unfucking blue. That's what it was going. So I was out delivering yesterday and I won't say who, I won't, well, I, I won't, I, well, I don't actually know the woman's name, but it was a young woman. She was, I would say she was in her late twenties, you know. She was, I got talking to her. I was ended up talking to her for half an hour. She's the wife of a consultant doctor in Daisy Hill. There was this down Ross Trevor. You want to see a fucking house? My Jesus Christ. The view over Carlingford Lock. The coolies at the back. Just nothing else. The Kilbrony is her garden. Literally. Like, there's no fence. It's just straight into Kilbrony. Gorgeous. And she was lovely. So I started to talk to her and we... She... she, It was... I was asking her, what are you doing? What are you doing? I commented on her house. How are you doing? Your house beautiful. Yeah, yeah, we've just moved here. Next thing you know, she's my husband's a consultant down the down, da, 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 da. what's it like? Oh, it's terrible. She says, oh, unbelievable. The waiting list, years long, started to go through it. Next thing you know, it's Tory bastards. She <laughs> was there? Oi. Upper middle class, wife of a, she, I would say she's probably a doctor herself. She's got a kid. She's looking after the baby in the house. Maybe she's on maternity yeah. leave, something like that. That's the impression I got. But yesterday, it was nuts. I was talking to two of the drivers in the yard as well. And three people to me yesterday, from all different backgrounds, one of them was English, one of them was from Cookstown, one's a middle class doctor's wife, all used the R word, revolution. Style, it's about time, isn't it? What the fuck? It, it's. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, what's took them so long? I know, but this is. It, it, it was just remarkable to me because. Oh, here. Let me just check this, man. Oh, no, you're good. Um, it's just remarkable to me because. Um, it was just those three different backgrounds, those three different people. Well, that's that's what I've been saying for ages, and and yourself as well. You know, it's only a matter of time before it knocks on everyone's door, unless you're one of these mega rich elite people or something, and it'll probably come to them too. Hopefully, like when the revolution really kicks well, in. That, that's what Chris Hedges is, is a man I admire greatly. Anybody who listens to this podcast will know his name because I talk about him all the time. Um, he calls him the jet set class. And he says they live in Richistan. They they they, they don't they don't live in mm. our world. Our planet is not. They don't experience the same things. So w- w- one of the examples that he gives it's it's actually fascinating. Remember Trump? I don't know if you know, but Trump's when Trump was in office, his education uh, was it education or trans? I think she was the education secretary. Aye, it was a woman called Betsy DeVos who is the sister of Eric Prince, who is the CEO of Blackwater, which is a company that wants to privatise the American army and is successfully managing to do it. So basically, and, and the, one of the reasons for th- that that is sort of being considered is because if you privatise the army, you send in mercenaries, you're then no longer culpable and you've got degrees of separation from events and culpability. So that's why when they organise coups, they don't just send in the regulars, they send in mercs. Yeah. Because then they can, they've can got deniability. We didn't know anything about that. You know what I mean? So, but obviously the Blackwater will make fortunes of money. But these are princes and princesses, princelings. They've never experienced normal life as we would understand it. They've got no means of understand they don't get it. So when Rishi Sunak last week was talking to two weeks ago was talking to a woman on um LBC, the Ian Dale show, 
and she's explaining that she has to sit in a blanket at night and she's a, a middle a, a, a woman making a good living has to ride a bike for Uber Eats in the evening and can't feed her two children and he is just doesn't get coached to, em- to go just just right if anybody says it just trying to try, try and find a way to empathise with them normal yeah so he says oh I've got two kids too. I know exactly you're a billionaire you have no fucking way of understanding what this is so back to this woman Betsy DeVos she gets sent to Japan this is a true story because this was in a book the person that wrote the book was her advisor right <laughs> She saw a bus in the airport. There was a private jet lines and she didn't know what it was. A bus? A bus. <laughs> she seen a bus and went and sort of went, oh, that's a quaint idea. Put everybody in. Say that car. What the fuck? <laughs> she didn't know what a bus was. Was she, she from America? She's American, yeah. yeah. What the hell? Unfucking believable. But it's... that's but that's what I mean, back back to the point, that's what that's what Chris Hedges <laughs> calls the jet set class. No, it's 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 comes to an end, doesn't it? What are you looking for? Somebody just threw the first stone. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently it only takes five percent of a population to, to do Get a revolution. Going. Yeah, probably does. It gets rolling. I get like whenever the Cuban revolution happened, it was like uh, it just conditions got so bad. But then the the, the revolutionaries were all living in the jungle and attacking. The government, but they weren't getting popular support. It took years. Yeah, it took yeah. five, six years, you know. And eventually, it all happened. Everyone. There was a general strike, which actually caused a revolution. But it was after and years. A, of, a general strike's bound to be on the cards now, isn't it? Like you'd have thought so. But what are the unions doing about it? I mean, why are they not uniting? Well, I was talking to someone about this last week, and they were saying like, that's been their plan all along, isn't it? Just to unions don't have any power anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. But uh, I, I, I really don't know. It, 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 it. Whenever you've got the likes of in this country being run by Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak, and you know, uh, down south, there's another, another hedge fund just mopped up five hundred fucking houses and. Ireland is the one that really does my dumb but Aye, I, I just, I, it's like leave the Brits if they want to do that. They're the ones voting them in. You know, whatever. But how can someone call themselves an Irishman and, and be doing stuff like that? Like, well, that's what James. That's, that's Connolly's quote. Yeah. Con- Connolly says um, something along the lines of, "A cure not for the man whose heart is overflowing for love of Ireland if he can walk past people in the streets." Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. You know, but that but that's where I. You know, my point is about you know about politics. Obviously, I comment on it, but I, I would never get involved because I don't want to get involved in British politics. Because you, it's any United Ireland. Then, for me, the my, my, my the, the way I've sort of made sense of it is I can do something about it in Ireland. So, although we've got blue, we've got Tories in Dublin doing things that Tories do. Yeah, I can't do anything about it, and. There's Tories in London doing things that Tories do, and uh, nothing I can do will ever. So I'm gonna fuck it. I'm not getting involved. I'll advocate for United Ireland, any United Ireland. Then I can do something about the Tories in Dublin, like fucking shoot them. But you do like. I mean, it's not. It's just a different type of resistance, isn't it? Like talking about it to people and. Yeah, <clears throat> I suppose it is. Yeah, but it, it's. It, I, I I've noticed it's really fast. The change has, has sped up. 
Well, that's what happens. Aye. With everything, you know, it takes a while to go and then it just accelerates. Yeah. Smart. That, as I said, you know, the fucking, they just sold off an odd tranche of houses. Did you hear about that one? I read about it last year. I think I read it out in one of my podcasts. I'm not sure. Um, there was a there was a, a housing estate, two, 200 houses or something on the outside, outskirts, Kilkenny or somewhere like that. And, you know, people going to buy them off plan, put down a deposit and all that sort of stuff. All the people had their deposits returned and the whole fucking estate, bar a few, was all sold to a hedge fund. The cuckoo funds. So they've used those deposits to make the project happen and then said we can actually make far more money here. Yeah, yeah. And the people that wanted to buy the house will now be renting the house, most likely, and paying somebody else's fucking mortgage. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? That's disgusting, man. I don't know how it isn't fucking... It it should be first priority for any government down there. Here, let's talk about music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you want to. Yeah, anything. So, tour. Going on tour next week, but brilliant. Yeah, can't wait. With a big with a, with a J man. Yeah, J dog. J dog, <laughs> just little of granddaddy. Yeah. And um, what's the album he's playing? Is 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 that the, the idea? <clears throat> well, he's doing. I think he's doing stuff from all over his catalog, but they're doing the software slump in its entirety, and it's with. Uh, it's called the Lost Machine Orchestra, but uh, I don't think it's a full orchestra. It's like, I don't know, I think there's about 15 of them or something. Really? But I think it's, it's he did a thing one time for Elliot Smith in France yeah. with an orchestra. And I think it's it's that team of musicians. So, oh, right, right, right. So wait. he was able to sort of get them. I'm not sure where it came about, but he just, he came to me about six months ago and said they were looking for a no-hassle solo support. Yeah. And I'd already toured with him and he said he wanted it to be me, so. Yeah. I've sort of, I haven't tried not to think about it too much because it was waiting on it being cancelled because of COVID and, and all that, so. Fingers yeah. crossed, we're nearly there now, like. Yeah. Flying out on Monday and then the first gig. To France? Aye. I've got it here. Do you want me to read out? Aye, go for it. <laughs> so, Nantes, <coughs> April 19th, in Stereo Lux, Paris, Le Trianon. Trianon or something? Trianon. 21 April, Lille. Uh, 22 April, Amsterdam, Party. So I've played there. Have you? Fucking great room. I have, I've been to it, but I haven't played it, but. Aye, we played it. We played, not in the big room, now you've been playing in the big room. So we were upstairs. But we, we when we played it, there was a band playing in the big room. They were fucking terrible. And everybody came up to see <laughs> us. <laughs> we ended up with hundreds of new fans and sold a fortune of merch. Um, 24 Antwerp de Roma. 25 Baxhill, Back, where's that? It's beside Hastings down near Brighton. Oh, in England. It oh, sounds right. like it's in France still or somewhere, doesn't I, it? Well, it says De La War Pavilion. <laughs> I, was, I thought it was in fucking Holland. It's right on the coast. All right, back, sell a fruit of it, yeah. They're London 26th, Palladium. I know. I think this might be the... I have to check, but I was talking to someone last week about this too. I think it's the first time I'll have played the same stage as the Beatles. <gasps> Stevie boy. I think. <laughs> the London Palladium. Mantle. That's fucking nuts. Is that the one... No, that's not the Royal Variety performance, is it? Where he said, shake your jewellery? No, that's what I was talking to the fellow about. Uh, and then he came back to me and said, it wasn't that 
Oh, okay. I'm not sure what that one was, but they played this in 1963, I think, they played him. Wow. Can we had full trunks by that one. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester, Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. And Glasgow, the Royal Concert Hall. Fucking class venues, mate. Oh, they're all style venues, like. Brilliant. And the Lost Machine Orchestra. Brilliant. So he's doing the software slump in its entirety and then... Like, I love all this stuff, but the software slump has a real special place for me, like... Really? Like, just, that was the... F- the first time I heard Granddaddy, it stopped me in my tracks. And everything I heard, I did a wee bit of exploring, but not really. And yeah. I loved everything, but it sort of takes me a while why things have to just sort of seep in slowly. Yeah. And then my mate lent me the software slump, and I listened to it every single night for at least a year. Oh, I love it when an album gets you like that. Oh, I just headphones on, just yeah. do a bong, and it's yeah. too cold to go to bed by without it. Just <laughs> put the bong on, put on... It, it starts off real sort of lo-fi and then it kicks in. Yeah. And that's that's his secret, I think, that people don't really get. He has this this image of being... He was about to turn pro skater and then he got an injury and all and then he... Grand what, skateboarder? Him. Yeah. <clears throat> so he's got this real cool image and all and his music's like indie, lo-fi, people yeah. call it. But he's not. He, he's obsessed with... Um, what do you call your man? Jeff Jeff Lynn, Jeff Lynn from ELO Aye. He, he says when he was young his, his mum and dad split up and his dad re- I don't know if he remarried or his new stepmom or whatever worked in a radio station mm. and it closed and as part of her payoff they give her thousands of records and he's he's real in dart so when he's a wee lad, he just sat with the headphones on, listened to all these like seventies hi-fi records. Wow! And he became obsessed with Jeff Lynne. Also, like I'm not sure what the kick-in point is, but that album starts off real sort of lo-fi, and then it kicks in. And see when it, the hi-fi-ness of it kicks in. Yeah. I just used to feel warm in bed. No, like train spot where he sinks into the floor. Yeah. It's just like out there, and then I fall asleep every night. But fucking class. So I can't wait to see it with an orchestra now. Brilliant. Wow, that's fantastic. And how, how do you meet him? How do you hook up with him? Just contacted him online, man, and sent them. I said to him, look... Because he produced one of your records, right? Yeah. The the last record, Hum. Yeah. So I just said to him, look, I'm working on a new record. I'd, I really love your music. Explained what his music meant to me and said, if you fancy hearing some demos. And he says, before he replied to me then, he went on YouTube... And he says he went down a Melogian wormhole or something. Yeah. But the first thing was the Albini film that Colin made, Colin Laverty. Yeah. So that was the same with, do you know, Joey Warrenker who plays drums on The Last Couple? Yeah. That's what he says as well. He went on YouTube to check stuff out and the first thing was the Albini's. Everybody wants, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at, Albini's like, yeah. everybody wants to work with him and all that there. So just lucky, man. Yeah. Oh, just well, luck and obviously very good as well. You're, you know, you're, you're tracking. If you find that though, you know, you, 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 the better you are and the more talented you are, the, the more serious you are about your stuff, you attract people to you. You've been luck, yeah. You know, but well, there's a lot of luck involved too, I suppose. Yeah. So three weeks? Are you? It's not three weeks. No, it's only it? two weeks. But it's two weeks. I said three mm, weeks. It's huh? like nine or ten dates or something. Yeah. Are you looking forward? To it? Are you going to be with family then? 
Mm, I see only thing it's it's, uh, it's difficult. I was I was almost cancelling it because I have no real big ambition anymore with that man. Yeah. Even like the Palladium and all that there. It's it's weird how you get like that, isn't it? Yeah, I'd rather hang out with the kids. Yeah. And have a good, nice experience for the kids and stuff like that. So yeah. I told myself ages ago that I wasn't going to do it again. And then probably just with COVID and stuff like that, I said, yeah. you know, I might never get another chance. I'll just go and do it. Yeah. So <clears throat> we'll see. Hopefully it'll go well. Like. Hopefully. Yeah, oh, it'll go well, no doubt. So it's just you and your own not bringing anybody with you? No, that's what they asked for. Yeah. Boys are devastated. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are coming to the gigs and all, and I think they're waiting on me saying, here, bring your stuff. But that's what he asked for up front. Like, no, like, no, no, no. Well, I imagine it's sort of, as you said, it's a no-hassle support. Especially with an orchestra. You don't that's want exact, exactly what I was going to say. Just, just trying to explain to people, like, the hassle that can be if yeah. a band shows up. To do supporting your move and stuff and getting getting set up. Yeah, you just down you just walk out on stage, <clears throat> plug in, and away you go. Get you don't even take up any space. You know what I mean? No, so. you don't need to move shit. That's exactly what it is, mate. And he knows the crack because we did that last tour, and he knows there'll not be any hassle or anything. So yeah, I could should be good. He's good crack, like he's sound. Yeah, class. Fucking delighted for you, man. Cheers, bye. And what about uh, new music then? Tons of new music, boy, but again, I've no real ambition to put it out. I think I've, I'm just letting it build up. Yeah. The uh, working on maybe like four projects on the go of a new album needs mixed, like finally final mixes and all that there. But it's it's there. I'm an instrumental album on the go with Andy Murray and Chris McCory. Class. I've started doing like a trad. Album wrote all these tunes on the, on the guitar, just like me playing the guitar. Yeah. Never really embraced that really until now. Uh. Like I love playing the guitar and all. And the, when I was younger, m- do you ever hear a bike called Roy Harper? Yeah. Remember hearing a song called One Man Rock and Roll Band in my dad's van. Just as I, I was in bands when I was young and play lead guitar and all that there and I had just started getting into the acoustic and next thing I heard that it was Dadgad uh-huh. and you hear the, just the fullness of the sound and all it's like yeah. so I used to play that when I was younger and different tunes like Open C and Open G and all that there but n- not really on record and I took a notion just and started yeah enjoying playing the guitar just for myself yeah. and then before you know it you've like 12 tracks that are that sound cool so just enjoying myself, really. Good. With no, no pressure for anything, really. Class. Well, I'm trying. Well, are you? Are you going? I mean, you're going to release it on style, right? Or you, I don't know, boy. No. Release it for what? Like, tell that people fucking hear it, man. Well, that's that's the only thing is snagging, because I do have I have really lovely fans. That's that's the big thing about the lockdowns that I missed by it wasn't even playing gigs. It was. Missing meeting people at gigs. Aye, your gigs are very intimate though. Very... Pushing and pulling every day, struggling all through the Dedicated, 
gigs it's when I supported you on two of those as you well know just letting the people out there know it wasn't supporting it was special guests special guests yeah let's call it that um, but yeah that was a real treat for me the lovely uh, gigs like, like it, that. just that intimacy where you can literally you, you, you can hear a pen drop which gives you as a performer the permission almost to go small yeah and that's the thing that you don't get. It's, you know, like I play in the Bonnevilles. Yeah. It's about the opposite of that. It's about big. It's about going big and loud and brash. And rah, rah. Yeah. Going the opposite direction is a thing as well that you very rarely get to do. Yeah. You know, it only takes one person to fucking start sneezing and it's all over. Yeah. But they don't. They sit there. There's, a, there's a, an intensity in all to it. And there's an intensity to it's it. It's cool. And it, I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely, love it. it's it's one of my favourite. I mean, you can ask Janie and the girls. Even one of our best days out was the first time I played with you up there. Was that a stand ovation for donkeys after you come off stage? <laughs> That's just right. Um, and then you know, you give me some money in my hand, and then we go and get some food and we go to the Maddens and we drink a load of pints, and then we get the last train home. Yeah, the nice. best fucking day out ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably sing for your supper, that's what, the way it should be, isn't it? Fucking class. And what about live gigs at home then in Ireland? What's the story there? You, you're busy enough, like? No. Um, I haven't been looking for anything. I've been working on this forest thing still. That Aye. So, so tell us about that. What's, what's the initial idea first? Because people don't know, obviously. Well, I used to work as an architect before I packed that in. And sort of went full time with the music. And so I'm always sort of daydreaming about wee schemes. Like if I see a stone building in a field, I'm imagining what it could be. And that's just like a wee something that I do all the time. And I'd never really wanted to push it anywhere other than for my own amusement. But I started working with that guy, Christopher Call. And just sort of looking at my own situation and going like you know better than anybody how hard it is you know how, how do you raise a family and be a musician nowadays it's mad yeah but with a simple wee tweak I think well, it's not that simple <laughs> it's took me this long and still not going but <laughs> in my mind it's like a simple t- tweak yeah and come back to the James Connolly thing and all you know, this is our country. Yeah. We should be allowed to use the land. Oh, fucking hell, you've hit me now. But you're That's not allowed to. Fucking write the room and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. The English have it, we don't have it. Yeah. And they still have all them big estates that they come over here and took. Yeah. The most beautiful parts of this country, all the big wide rivers and all, and yeah. all the all the, the old trees and all. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. But it, my job would have been... 
doing loads of planning applications for farmers mostly. And there's all these different rules if you're a farmer. Everything gets fast-tracked because it has an economic incentive. You can put up these big massive buildings, the state of the countryside. Oh, for fuck's sake. But you, you, yet, <clears throat> I can't go and buy a field and build something on it. So that's called agricultural land. Yeah. So, to me, it's it's so easy that if the planners would just tweak things a little bit, you, you could drive the economy in a different way. It would help so many people. But... It's just not forthcoming, so I've been trying to just navigate some sort of way through it. But pe- people are so fucking resistant to change. Yeah, well, I think it's 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 more than that. It's like, it's designed to keep us down, like, you know what I mean? And if you want to go into, like, gerrymandering and all, you know. Yeah. And in the Industrial Revolution, they took us all out of our communities in the countryside, oh. put us into the towns, and now... Yeah. As far as they are concerned, they don't want you to go back, you know. Aye, but so the turn it down. The but that's that's the thing that the, the people don't realise. The industrial revolution, people were pulled off the land. Yeah. In order to provide the muscle to yeah. build the cheap cheap labour, and then the, yeah. After a while, they realised here it's even cheaper in India. Yeah. You can fire cannons at them if they don't do what they're told. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever hear about Winston Churchill doing that? Well, I heard a lot of things about him. He's a prick. He was voted the greatest Briton of all time. And all Unbelievable. So he, so he, brought, he said it was him that fucking sent the Black and Tans here. Mad. Who turned, then turned into the UDR, for fuck's sake. It's mad. Who were worse than the Black and Tans. Well, in India, what you know, whatever their religion teaches them is... Hinduism. You need to be buried intact or with your you know, your eyes and all this here, crack or whatever. So people that he was sending to firing squads... He was actually shooting them with cannons, blowing the smithereens, and they couldn't be buried intact. That's the type of the type of wanton cruelty. The type of guy you're See, with it. That, that that's the thing. That, that, that's the thing that people don't understand about about the nature, of, the very nature of empire. There's there's a letter in the British Museum, and I think it's from some fucking. You know, first of all, the first the first people that went out to India. So Vasco da Gama comes across. Where is he going? So Vasco da Gama he sails around, around Africa and finds a route to India, and he turns up at India. And these are trade missions. That's what these are: exploration and trade missions. So there's an overland route to India. They say same as China. The the, the Silk Road is a Chinese one. They say if we can do this by sea, we can speed the process up, no and we don't and we don't need to go through people's territories. We don't have to encounter warlords, bribe people, etc., etc. Steal the trees from Ireland to build the boats. Steal the trees from Ireland, fucking right, to build the boats, and so Vasco da Gama turns up in India with a a dead dog and a barrel of fucking butter. Say, could you trade? Want trade? And they're looking at him going, <laughs> we, 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 trade what? We, trade we, where? 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 where the, India has got. A, Thousands of years of culture. Culture, Chinese the same, yep. um, um, North Africa the same, the Middle East the same. The idea of Western civilization is an is an offence. It's an offensive word. It's an offensive thought. Um, they said, "We don't want your fucking shit. We got silks. We've got advanced medicines. We've got, a, you know, yeah. we're a feudal society. The whole world was parts of it were slave slave societies, but basically they were far more advanced than us." Yeah. So then we said, well, okay, well, what are we... So we end up... They send out the first... The British send out... This is later on. 
they send out the East India Company, the East India Company go out and start opening up these trade routes. But a part of what they do is they start sowing the seeds in those societies, in those communities. So, like, take a, it's a county or whatever, and it's run by a, a lord, yeah. as it was in those times. And they start sowing the seeds. But one of the things that they do is they create an arms race. So they'll see whether there's a division between two chieftains or two clan leaders or two lords. Arm one of them and they'll arm one of them. And that creates... Just still what they're doing. Of course, that's exactly what they're fucking doing. So, but, but the reason that they're still doing it is because it fucking works. <laughs> but there's a letter in the British Museum, some colonel or other or whatever. So this is a private company. They go out and with them they bring... Um, missionaries, Christian missionaries, and then the army. And the army are obviously the official rep- representatives of the state. And this letter says, we will never dominate these people. Their culture is superior to ours in every way. Every way, right? Yes. So that letter goes back to England, back to whatever, and they formulate where we're going to dominate these people is to remove them from their culture, separate them from their culture. And within 30 or 40 years, these people are carrying fucking English people around on their backs. It's mad. I was reading a book. Is it The Veins of Latin America or something it's called? Uh, Do you know Jerry Love from Teenage Fan Club? Yeah. He's a, he was the bass player in Teenage Fan Club. I love him as well. By one of my favourite songwriters. He told me about this book. And that's what it says when... When the missionaries arrived, we had the land and they had the Bible. And within so many years, we had the Bible and they had the land. Yeah. But that's, it's, it's a, that's, <clears> the, that's the, for me, that's the triple, that's the trident, is capitalism, Christianity and colonialism, those three. Yeah. You know, and the big part of it, the, the, the separate you from your culture. Because look, Christianity did it. They turned all our pagan gods yeah, and all into Christian here, saints, yeah. etc. And they separate you from your culture. And then, within a space of a few generations, all it is like, well, what are you if you're not your culture? Yeah. Again, quote Winston Churchill. Not a not a man I'm a, I'm a fan of, but I do. He, he you know, stop clocks right twice a day. But <laughs> during the war, World War Two, he his ministers come to him with budget cuts saying let's run off the cuts what I mean, it's the arts and he said well what are we fighting for then yeah and he's right he was fucking right because that you know it's, it's arts and culture and that's what you're about that's who you are and if you're removed from that what are you fighting for and you're not going to fight yeah what's happened now then because they don't even respect that anymore like do you know not even no it's just a race to get off the planet now or something isn't it did you see that Don't Look Up? Yeah. What did you think of it? I saw a wee girl on the TV yesterday with that fucking moron. What do you call it? Richard and Judy? Laughing at him. Laughing at her. Oh, and they were all piling on and all by. Bunch of bastards. Seen that? I'll get that clip and edit it in to this interview. No, don't. He's a scumbag. It's okay Taking a piss out of him We've spoken on this show Multiple times before About the climate crisis How it's an existential threat To our planet I'm at the point where I wonder And we've spoken about How our government leaders And yes, the media Aren't treating this Existential crisis With the urgency it requires In fact, there was an entire Oscar-nominated movie this year Satirising this Don't look up 
But the movie became eerily similar to real life just this week when a climate activist appeared on the UK morning show Good Morning Britain. So we put real life and the movie side by side for all to see. Many people would agree uh, that we have to wean ourselves off oil, but at the same time, they deeply resent having their personal lives massively interrupted. How big is this thing? Could it, like, destroy someone's house? Is that possible? Yeah, I don't think any of us want to be disrupting people's lives, but I think, given the science and the things that academics are saying about what oil is causing around the world, and in this country too, this is the level of action that needs to be taken. It's somewhere between six and nine kilometres across, so... It's big. It would damage the the entire planet, not just a house. I wonder if any of you have read the latest IPCC reports that have come out this year. Yeah. You know, what they have said is that we are on the road for climate catastrophe. Okay, well, as it's damaging, will it hit this one house in particular that's right on the coast of New Jersey? It's my ex-wife's house. I need it to be hit. And the clothes that you're wearing, to some extent, owe their existence to oil because they were taken in a car or a truck or a van to a shop, you know? I'm sorry, are we, uh, are we not being clear? We're talking about crop failure by 2030. We're talking about people in this country right now in fuel poverty because of the prices of oil. I'm and you're talking about no, 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 the clothes no, 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 that no, I'm wearing. No. We're trying to tell you that the entire planet is about to be destroyed. Well, and for those who are planning to get away over the Easter holidays, could they expect more disruption, do you think? There's something we do around here. You know, we just keep the bad news light. I don't watch TV or anything, but it come on. My phone's... Aye, it did go viral. You, you can't escape it. It went viral, all right. I don't look up. I thought it was... The, the bit, the, bit of, the, the, the takeaway from it for me was whenever they decided to not blow up the meteorite... Spoiler, if you haven't seen it, you want to, you should turn this bit off. <laughs> um, they decided to not blow up the meteorite. And uh, the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk morph character, he was sort of an amalgam of Bill Gates and all of the three of them. And all. He comes in and he says, no, because if we can get the minerals on this, we could solve world hunger. And everyone applauds him. And... The, the thing, we can solve world hunger now we, we choose not to yeah you know these are choices that's your mom whenever your mom went up in the space I remember thinking do you know how when you get I don't know how you feel but like it was always a big big dream of mine to have your record on vinyl or something yeah and then you get it and you're like it's cool like but it's not fulfilling. It's not the same as like when you write a song, the feeling that you get when you get that energy from an idea coming into your head, you know what I mean? It's a totally different thing. And I remember thinking, I hope when he gets up, just know the bit where you can just see the earth. I hope he gets that same feeling. Yeah. It's just fucking emptiness. It's just like vinyl's plastic. Yeah. What is it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's that's class. That's a good way of putting it. Let's have a look at that. Nice one. It is weird that too, you know, it is unfulfilling when you get your you finally get your record out. The process it's like whenever you write a song, yeah. you're obsessed with that fucking and you're song. Buzzed, you know what I mean? And I, I can't sleep at night. I, I go to bed with it rather There's something around. weird happening you, you know, there's like the cosmos at work or whatever and, and you yeah. there's energy and all going into this. Yeah. And then you think it's gonna be this fulfilling moment that you get this record in your hands and it's like Next. Now I have to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to sell them. Yeah. That's, but that's it. I, 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 whenever I get a song finished, 
honest to fuck, it's like, right. It's gone, uh, yeah. Get, get out of my way, next. Yeah. There's some other riff that comes but in. Isn't it mad that it happens again and again and again? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of what we do. That's what I love about it. Like, I think that's where, where I'm sort of a wee bit stumped about that's enough for me. You know, I don't need to go and top of the pops and do all this shit. Yeah. Which doesn't really work. I come back to trying to raise a family on, on being an artist. Like the thing down south that they're doing, I think is brilliant with this pilot scheme. Oh, you told me about this? Yeah, they brought it in. I think it's co- well, it's coming in shortly. You should apply for it because in the Good Friday Agreement that it allows that we're Irish as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, they're paying 335 quid a week. Like a... UBA? Yeah. Really? To artists? Yeah. Get the fuck. Artists and arts workers. And that's just your, like, sort of basic income. Fuck, I would do any, me rightly, by. And any money you make from your art above that is yours. That's, see, that's what we need. Yeah. We, 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 there's no two ways about it. But you know what I mean? If, if you had that coming in, you wouldn't be, not that everybody, you know, and it's class, gigging and meeting people and all, but you wouldn't have to be sleeping on people's floors around Europe and playing. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't be chasing yeah. this fucking stupid thing. For some people... Would you be able to make art? The, the creation of art would be enough. It would be enough for me, like. Yeah. That's what I've been chasing with this forest thing. It's like a slower life. Yeah. But you sort of set your property and your studio all up in such a way that it sort of generates a bit of an income. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think people like being around art, artists and stuff like that. And if, you know, imagine was, this studio was a wee bit bigger and it was sat in the forest and you could have an audience. Yeah. yeah. People love it. They, they, you know, they love coming, being a part of something and all. That would be enough to give you and your family an income to survive. And the thing about, the thing about an income for an artist and their family People would be fucking amazed how little that is. Yeah. We live on early. Yep. You know, literally people don't get it. I have a wife that is a world class, I mean like Olympian, Olympic gold medal winning budgeter. And only for her I'd be fucking, Yeah. I'd starve to fucking death. But it's, you know, it doesn't take a lot. No. And I'm the same, like, you know, without Julianne now, I'd be snookered. Mm. But you know, the, I've been saying this for ages. People don't realise what way the the music industry works, and their favourite DIY indie artist or whatever. You don't realise what's going on behind the scenes there. But it's going to come to everybody's door. Doesn't matter what your job is. At some point, this whole fucking system is going to fall down, and everybody's going to feel feel that. Yeah. Maybe that's why the revolution seems to be accelerating, as you're saying, you know. People are sensing it. I, I, I genuinely, I was taken aback a little yesterday when I was out on my rounds and I was, you know, that's, that's weird because you don't, you don't hear that. Not you from talk, rich people. Like. No, and, you know, and, you know, she, she, she t- turns out she's a fucking full blood, full red lefty, you know, she yeah. was, she was, uh, Everything she, without saying I'm a socialist, she was saying I'm a socialist, and she knew you was, you know, we were. I mean, I'm driving, you know, yeah. but she, all the, the policies that she was advocating for was just pure 
leftism. That's, that's why, they, don't they say, musicians and artists are the most dangerous members of society? Yeah. Because you're mixing with everybody and maybe spreading these fucking weird <laughs> notions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you get into, and then also by nature of the fact that you're, you know, musicians are supposed to be troubadours. Troubadours move. Yeah. They travel. They wander. You know, we know we're talking about something different, but, and that's how you get to meet with all different levels of society, in different parts of the world and different, Yeah. you know. And obviously to an establishment, that is going to be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Without a doubt. That's the cool thing about about it that you don't really realise until you're a few years in. It's mad the people that you meet, isn't it? Yeah, it's class though. Yeah, it is class. Yeah. I, I do think you know. It's kind of weird, you know, when you start out, you know, you're full of energy and full of ideas, and you, but you don't know how to do anything. Yeah, you don't know how to get it. A record out, how to a record, how to how to do a tour, how to you know, and but you figure it out. Would you, if you could go back, and you you know how hard it is and what it takes, would you do it, or would you do it? Differently? Oh, I would do, oh, well, I might do things differently for sure. But I mean, I would try and eliminate the many, the many many mistakes that I made, but without a doubt, I would do it again. I I often sort of think about. Me as a wee boy, you know, as a twelve-year-old, and I sort of imagine him talking to me, looking at me, yeah. and he goes, "We're doing what? <laughs> what have you got us into here? Really? <laughs> no, because that's what he always wanted to do. That was kid. Yeah, yeah. Really? We did. We did it. Yeah. Well, I'm the same. Like, you know? the, like that thing about maybe playing on the same stage as the Beatles and all. It's mental. Yeah. Uh, nuts. Nuts. Do you know? Nuts. It's fucking class here. Just. Just reminded me because I want to do this while it's in my head. So a couple of questions for you. So I did put this out on Twitter, obviously, and but only just. I'm so busy with the podcast. It's class. Style boy. Okay. Um. Let me get it. Where the fuck's the question? Where's the question? We four track, boy. Oh, I we could set four track, yeah. Uh, Andy Toman lent me that, but he hasn't come back for it. But he's, Where'd he get it? I have, fuck, I have no idea. He stole it off you, did he? Hmm. I don't think he stole it off me, but I had one and it went missing. Oh. It was in Mikey's studio. I'll have to ask Andy. Aye. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> right. So, we are Ariel sent the question. Stan? Yeah. Can you ask him if he can bend notes on his harmonica yet and <laughs> can he have your hat? <laughs> I still don't know if I can. People tell me I can bend notes on it but to me it, it doesn't sound good enough yet. I, I love Neil Young's harmonica playing. Yeah. And he's like so to me it's just all sucking and blowing it doesn't feel like you can do it yet. but I think I can. Jimmy Young tells me I can. You're going to suck it all sucking and blowing you could you'd be a good prostitute. Um <laughs> <laughs> and can you have your hat? Which one? Ah, that's the, probably the one on the record cover. That's your most famous one, Was I think. I play it with, on hum? Aye. Am I wearing a hat in that? Yeah, I'm Is not. It? I'm wearing goggles in that one. Oh, my, that's right. Ah, that's right. I'm what wearing one. Of? What am I thinking of? On the back of weirdness, I'm wearing a hat, I think. Aye. 
There's definitely one of them. Right. Andy Murray. Yeah. Murray Magic Tones. <laughs> the house is burning down. Which would he grab as he ran out the door? His Neil Young or his Beatles LP? Ooh. I'd probably have the grab. I have... I don't have really... Well, hold on here, fuck. That's tight. The very first rapper... <laughs> <laughs> Right, Andy, you know you know this boy well because he's genuinely fucking flummoxed. Do you know what? If I'm being honest, I wouldn't even go near the record. Do right? Know? They don't really. So he's not going to answer your question. The card, like the physical, the physical <laughs> thing, doesn't really. No. Do you know? It's all you can buy it again. Aye. But it's a metaphor. Who's well, your favourite? He said. The Beatles. Has Aye. To be. Yeah. But <laughs> love Neil Young too. Yeah. The very first record I bought was Let It Be. Yeah. I bought it in the Virgin Mega Store in the early nineties. But I also have one of my favourite records is After the Gold Rush, Neil Young. Oh, it's a fantastic album. And Mada had a copy of it, like an original from when it came out and it went missing. And I bought him a replacement, an original replacement for it the first time I went to Glastonbury. Uh, I bought nice. it in a record shop in Bristol. Yeah. So, so it's hard. It would be one of them too, and I don't know which one. Does that can that grab them both? Yeah, I don't see why you can't. <laughs> what about the dog and the kids and all? Well, Just leave leave them to it. Yeah, that's what he said. For <laughs> sake. He said, "Don't worry about them." <laughs> <laughs> It's, there's, there's a clear hierarchy here and the Stop. children the wife and the dog don't come into it Jesus over a piece of fucking plastic <laughs> that's the thing and like the fact that vinyl comes from oil as well man hey, it's fucking unsustainable when is it going when are people going to turn around and go we're bound to be able to make a different version of rec- vinyl records that we don't need to fucking destroy the planet but I mean I think I think that's, a, that's a, the, the least of the priorities at the minute it's not the vinyl industry that's fueling the planetary no, collapse but, but I wish someone would speak up and say right all these artists with all these good intentions and do you realise mm. and and knock that on the head well it's a, it's a fair point but it brings it makes me think about what you did uh, when you pulled all your music off the streaming services because you made a very moral stance there which I applaud you for I followed you but then I I don't know if you know this I put, I went on to Tidal and Pandora or not Pandora fucking Napster although it's not on Napster just yet because this is weird as fuck Napster's the one that pays the most by a fucking mile by a mile they're the ones who started off I know they're the ones who fucking started ripping everybody off in the first place but (laughs) the reason I did it was because they're here to stay and my own little fucking protest is put it on the one and not the others if you want to listen to it in your streaming services you have to go well at least they're not investing in arms companies like Spotify you know what I mean exactly although you never know what's going on behind the scenes but so tell me um, I mean I'm sure it's it's obvious why you did that but why did you pull your music off those you don't tell people just because I don't want to work with bastards like you know yeah and what other industry do you know where people would just suck it up and say oh sure that's the way it is you know they're going to treat us like dogs with no respect yeah for the actual thing that 
makes their company work. You know, they can't exist without artists and all, but they're just going to treat them you like... Don't e- and you don't even have to squint to see that. I mean, yeah. it's fucking right there. And people just... And music lovers are just like, I know, but it's so convenient and all, yeah? Let's yeah. see how convenient it is when there's a fucking tsunami coming towards you. Yeah. <laughs> Spotify's fault. But you know what I mean? It's all part of a bigger thing, but... No, no, I know, I know. I, know. I just couldn't be bored. Andy, for me... Was it annoying you, having your music on those platforms and knowing what you know? Yeah, it was annoying me that I had let it happen and just been sucked into this big thing. Like, for me, I've never really made any money from music. It's always sort of just balanced itself out. Yeah. And it was like on this sort of thing, up at someday. Yeah. Aye. And then you think how many millions of artists are doing that and funding these people? Whenever, and coming back to the thing about the beauty of it for me and where I get the fulfillment from it is that spark of an idea. And it, just realising it doesn't need to go beyond that. So you, you, you've basically taken your art and your creative creativity, distilled it down to the creative process. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think... I think people like being around that sort of energy. Yeah. And if I could get my studio into... Uh, would you be happy to do that in front of people or how would you present that? No, well, I mean, you'd be in your studio, but... Like, it, it depends, man, but... I've been over this last couple of years, just before the lockdown, it was starting to take off a wee bit and then it's starting to come back now with people coming into the studio to write and help maybe I helped them produce stuff or whatever but yeah I think just being around that people like it that's what I'm trying to do is just create this wee I think you're right We place you know there's an energy that goes along with that that people like to be around and it's good for people especially if you put it in nature yeah 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 do you know of which there is increasingly less and less yeah there's a council around here has gone on some fucking tree hate I, 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 everywhere you look they're just cutting down fucking trees and by the way you wouldn't be allowed to do it because yeah. there's birds nesting in them right now it seems to be all these big companies have got the contracts for the councils yeah and they're planting like Belfast City Council has signed up to plant a million trees or something by 2025 or 2030 or something but right, as yeah. part of it they must have also will cut down 2 million there's maintenance involved, that's what they would call it, but it's going on everywhere. Well, would that mean, it, it, it's, it, I, I, I'm delighted that they're, they're agreeing and acknowledging, but it's, it's too it's too probably too little too late, but, yeah. you know, it's the over the overcomplication of the thing. You can literally do what you said, take a field, plant the right trees in it, and fuck off. Yeah. Leave it alone. You know, this management, that there has to be a contract attached to it. Long, you know, that, so how much does it cost to plant a million trees? Will it cost a million pounds? How much does it cost to maintain a million trees for 50 years? Well, that's 50 million pounds. Well, we're not going to do it then. Yeah. You know? It's fucking... I, I, they're, they're cutting trees down around here. It's making me sick. Actually sick. Yeah, everywhere. And all they're doing, they're, they're not even cutting, digging them up. They're fucking just topping them. Like four or five feet off the ground, so it's just these stumps. What the hell? And then they just pile them into a wood chipper, and that's it. End of. Sell it, Darlene Foster. <laughs> Sick. 
<laughs> class. Here, we'll knock this on the head, will we? Happy days. We've been going for a while. Let me see. Well, that's about an hour. It's class. <laughs> um, so, Bandcamp. Yes, but my stuff's still on Bandcamp. Melodian Bandcamp. Check it out. And what about what about getting me an interview with Jason while he's on tour? Don't know about on tour now. No, but busy. You know the crack. Aye, afterwards. I'm sure he'd be up for it. Would he? I'm sure he would. He sound like. Aye, cool. Well, we can do it remotely, obviously. I'm not going to wherever he lives. <laughs> he's Where do you live? LA. Oh, does he? Is he, is he LA born and bred? He's from a place called Modesto. I've heard of it. Which is... I can't remember what you call it. It's... it's what do you call the big... Yosemite National Park. Yeah. It's I think it's on the eastern side of California before you get to Yosemite and stuff. Wow. But it's like some sort of valley that's really the, the land and it's really fertile and also loads of the produce, fresh produce from America is grown there. So was, do you know what's the made orange in? groves and all that? All that crap. Oh, yeah, right. Do you know what's made in his time? Go on. I don't want to get this right. I think it's Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. What? It's some. It's one of them mental drinks. Because the, the distillery or the brewery, whatever it is, the is there. Uh, uh, and there's, so there's the witch's loads, coven. There's <laughs> loads of alcoholics and stuff. It's it sounds a bit like Lurgan. He he reckons it's really like Lurgan. Oh, like sort of working class people, and just nice people, but sort of on the edge of the countryside and stuff. So yeah, he's real into the outdoors. He, like spends most of his time up a mountain or something. That's class. But he lives in LA now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. On the outskirts of LA, like. Okay. So, thanks to Stevie for Thank calling you, to see me. Thanks for calling me. Give me an hour of his time. <laughs> and a, a, a cream cracker with peanut butter and jam on Because <laughs> I had no biscuits. Yep. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody. And uh, don't forget to come over to my Patreon and let me your support. We'll get talking to more class people like Stevie Boy. Okay, bye. Cheers on that.